Welcome to the Mental Health Multiverse. We're your hosts, HB and LB. We'll be breaking down some of our favorite movies and TV shows as they relate to mental health, self-healing, and overall wellness, while also breaking stigmas, shedding light on misinterpretations, and helping you understand yourself a little better. If you're also on a healing journey and enjoy pop culture, stick around. Welcome back to another episode of Mental Health Multiverse. Today, I'm very excited because we are talking about Kida from Atlantis. Um, two reasons why I'm very excited about this. One, I feel like Kida does not get enough recognition, enough acknowledgement for being the smart, badass warrior princess that she is, or I guess queen by the end of the movie. Spoilers. Um, but also, this was Heather's first time watching Atlantis, which like is so wild to me and we watched it together so it was really fun seeing all like your reactions and stuff and like every now and then like a funny thing would happen and I'd like look over at you to see if you were laughing (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you'll have to share as we go through like what my reactions were to things it was pretty funny I mean the first right off the bat like right when we pulled up pulled it up on Disney plus you were like that guy looks intimidating which I think you meant Milo and then from the very first couple of scenes you were like oh my god he's adorable (laughs) yeah what a little sweetie what a little sweetie I'll give a little like abridged synopsis since I just saw it I feel like it could it is um it will be just like my my experience my first experience watching it synopsis so um Milo is like a scientist whose grandfather raised him and his grandfather was obsessed with discovering Atlantis and um, had like all of this secret knowledge of how to find Atlantis um, and kind of like brought Milo on as like a protege to help continue the legacy of like finding Atlantis and the um the reason that they wanted to discover it is because they think there's this incredible power source that's there that could like help the world. Um, and the action kind of starts right away. Like Milo gets recruited to help this group of people. I don't like there, there are all sorts of different types of people. Like there's military people, doctors, mechanics, like all sorts of people, this like crew to go, to go to Atlantis. Um, and Milo is kind of awkward and bumbly and he um, he has nothing better to do because he resigned from his job because they aren't taking him seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they go on this adventure, uh, they make it to Atlantis and they discover that there are humans living there. Uh, and then the plot thickens when Milo finds out that the crew actually had more, um, like they had not great intentions um they just wanted to steal the power source and the power the power source was actually like what was keeping the atlanteans alive and so if they take it back to the surface world um all the atlanteans will die and that's where the moral conflict comes in of like that this is what we came here for but also if we take it all these people will die so that's kind of like the abridged synopsis of maybe that's not abridged it is a synopsis of (laughs) of, (laughs) no i think um, you hit all the all the main points. Yeah, and Kida is an Atlantean. So she's she is the princess of Atlantis when they when they arrive. Um and she greets them with open arms and is very kind. And her father is like, No, thank you, go away. <laughs> Please leave. It it kind of reminds me of um in Pocahontas when she's like very interested in them and then her dad, the chief, is like, These white people are dangerous. <laughs> Please leave. No, no, we don't yep. want them here. <laughs> yeah on that same vein I really like the diversity of this cast um which I know a lot of people a lot of other people really like and and that's why a lot of people are gunning for this to be turned into a live action versus some of the things that are currently being rumored or may be coming um live action so this movie came out in 2001 the summer of 2001 so I would have been 11 so I'm genuinely surprised that I've never seen it um same because I was (laughs) I was 11 when it came out, so I feel like target demographic of, like, yeah. who would have seen it. I just, I don't know how I missed it, but um, but I'm very familiar with it. And I think especially just, like, being in the nerd community and being in the cosplay community, like, I've seen cosplayers of of Kida and of Milo. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite cosplayers, um, his name is Charlie Castle. He does 
like Dean Winchester. That, that's like how I started following him is because I'm I'm obsessed with Jensen Ackles. So like finding a cosplayer <laughs> who's who cosplays Dean is like, oh my gosh, love this guy. But he does a Milo uh too. Oh, and so um cool. and yeah, so it's like there's a cosplayer who I follow who does like Milo a bunch. Um and I've seen Kita cosplayers at conventions and um I'm one of the weirdos who's like, oh who are you cosplaying? And they're like Kita Atlantis. <laughs> like, how do you not know? <laughs> Have you been uh, living under a rock? <laughs> I mean, truly, it felt like that the first couple of conventions I went to, like, and saw. Um, but now part of me is like, do I want to cosplay Kita? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe. That'd be Maybe. super cool. We'll see. That, yeah. Yeah. But I have a question. Why, if she is actually a princess, why is she not canonically considered a Disney princess? I looked it up while we were watching and it's apparently it's because she's old. She's as you put it in your notes, she's ancient because she's 8,000 years old. And they were like, this doesn't fit the princess criteria. So even though she's like legitimately a princess. Interesting. Yeah. I, I find, I find that fascinating that she's like not canonically like one of the Disney princesses, but I guess you have to be like within a certain age range to be considered one between the age of 14 and 18 or like 20 or, or whatever yeah the oldest whatever one is. yeah I feel <laughs> like that that is a very stupid rule um and just like Meg I think she should be considered a Disney princess and she reminds me a lot of Meg but before I go into that actually I had a thought when you were like I don't know how I didn't see it when it came out in 2001 I was 11 you know what else came out in 2001 or on the same time <laughs> what Shrek <laughs> Oh, shit. And that's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and I feel like I, I just feel like poor Atlantis did not get its chance in the sun because it was eclipsed <laughs> by the cultural phenomenon of Shrek. <laughs> Holy, that makes a lot of sense because Shrek was like one of my is one of my favorite movies. Like it's like not to not to shade any shade to Atlantis. I like it a lot, but this is not a movie that I like would I could see myself religiously watching over and over again, like with right. Shrek. Like my sister and I, we would just <laughs> sit and watch Shrek. And when it was over, we would like start it again. And we like knew every word. <laughs> and like, that makes a lot of sense. I'm glad okay, you wait, looked that up. Because we talk about this a lot. Have you seen the other Shrek movies? Have you seen the sequels? Yes, I've seen okay. all of the Shreks, except for like, okay. the mo I, if there's a series, I don't, don't ask me about any Shrek series. Right. I, I haven't know. seen like, Puss in Boots or the like any any of the like I've seen all the like Shrek movies okay but yeah but any like spin 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 off I have not seen <laughs> I feel like there's like there I feel like they did something with the fairy tale creatures that I saw too but maybe that was like a bonus on one of the DVDs or something but um it might have been and I think there is a show on Netflix or like Christmas specials or something yeah yeah no I it, like the main Shrek movies I have seen all of them um but most of the spinoffs, I don't think I've seen. I may have seen like the first Puss in Boots, but I feel like there are like hundreds of those now too. Like I feel like I know that there's a Puss in Boots that just came out like this year, uh, and I didn't see that, and I wanted to because Florence Pugh is is a voice actor, like is one of the voice actors in it. But um, but yes, so yeah, was was and still am like a big a big fan of of Shrek. Yeah, so that's my theory as to why this movie either isn't as well known as it should be could have been um would have been um but then yeah shrek just came out and kind of blew every other animation from that year out of the water i guess um but it is wild to me that like somehow even still from 2001 to now in 2023 you hadn't seen it that's so wild to me um yeah i i i love this again like i mentioned in one of our other episodes i love that sometimes it's we get this like very um balanced perspective of like you either haven't seen it or don't watch it as religiously as I do and so I'm sure you notice things again that I may not have noticed um so I am curious you gave a really good synopsis but like what were some of your first impressions and especially since we're here to talk about Kita because I like really pushed for this episode what are yeah. your what are your thoughts <laughs> I really like my thing that you mentioned is that like I really appreciated the diverse cast from the get-go like I I was expecting I don't know what I was expecting but for some reason I I 
envision it more as like Milo going on some sort of solo adventure mm. and it being this like world sweeping romance finding Atlantis. Like I didn't really know what to expect in that in that regard. I was surprised. I put this in my notes as well, uh, but then it then I I'll just say it. Um, I put this in my notes that I was surprised that Kita was introduced right away because I mm. expected her to not be introduced until like way later in the movie uh, as an Atlantean. So I was surprised when she was introduced right away, but then, then that was just like a memory. And then she is not actually fully introduced until halfway through the yeah. movie. So I was like, ah, <laughs> I was right in being surprised by that because she's really not a, a character until, until much later. Um, yeah. So like that idea of like going on the grand adventure to find Atlantis was correct in my mind because I was really like oh she's being introduced right away amazing uh that's great <laughs> and then she like disappeared um or like <laughs> it was just a memory or whatever um but I did like that we got to sort of like see her first uh with the hopes of like oh this character will come up again and I really liked her first introduction that she heals Milo like that's the first interaction that they have is like, mm. like she notices that he's bleeding and she heals him um, so I really thought that was very sweet. Um, and I, I kind of enjoyed their interactions. Like it wasn't, and, and I don't think like they never have a romantic, like, it's not really a romantic relationship. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, so to speak, like, it's more like a friendship and a sense of like, she is very fascinated by the fact that he can read this Atlantean script that she cannot and that she kind of like could really use his help. Like she and her people could really use his help. Um, and he is just so genuinely excited and fascinated about yeah. her and her people. And so I, th I think I really liked that dynamic as well. Yeah. Um, it kind of reminded me of, um, the live action Little Mermaid when they're bonding over like the maps and the knowledge or whatever. And that's what I, I really like about their relationship too, is like you just said, she is amazed by him. And I also like though, that she doesn't ever get like insecure about the fact that he understands her culture, not understands, but he can read her language or understand her culture in a way that she can't, you know, she's like, oh, this is like really cool and I could use your help. And also he's not trying to say like, I know more than you, look at me, I'm a big strong man or whatever. And and it's genuine yeah. like appreciation. And he's like, wow, this is amazing. This is so fascinating. Let's uncover all of these things together. And and I think that's, mm -hmm. that is really sweet. It is nice too. And it's very refreshing, if, especially for this time when this movie came out that, they're, they like don't kiss on screen. There's no like outright romantic um, PDA stuff or anything that like they could have just ended it with them being friends. I'm pretty sure canonically they do get married, but it's fine, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is it is really, really sweet. Yeah, I liked that. Fun fact about Kida is that she is voice, her voice actress, Cree Summer is the is also the voice of She-Hulk in the Hulk animated series. Um, the what? uh this yeah She-Hulk in the Incredible Hulk animated series. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, I didn't start watching the Hulk animated the Incredible Hulk animated series um until very recently. I didn't watch it as a kid either, and so that's why I think it's kind of cool that I've like discovered these things around the same time and also that Cree Summer happens to be the voice of both of these characters I thought that that was pretty cool because obviously if you know me you know that She-Hulk is my fave is my fave so yeah 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 that's really cool I love those little those little connections I'm glad overall you really liked it because I was kind of nervous because I was like I feel like I've been really hyping this up <laughs> you know, like, yeah maybe I hyped it up too much but it's it's nice that it ended up being okay <laughs> no yeah and I think like I think the plot like I do think the whole time I was kind of like what is gonna happen next because it was like the beginning is like an adventure right like they're finding Atlantis and then they get there and you're like okay what and they're here to find this like power source right so it's like in my mind I'm like what could be like there's still a, like 
40 minutes left in this movie what mm. could be happening like, what's next the twist? So, yeah like what's the twist um and I kind of saw the twist coming I think I told you <laughs> I was like I am suspicious of these people um and technically Mr. Woodmore is not who I should have been suspicious of but I was very suspicious of like the fact that they just like it was very convenient everything was very convenient that like they pulled Milo at exactly the right time took him on the adventure that he's been wanting to go on his whole life I was like this all feels very (laughs) convenient to me I am suspicious um so it ended up kind of being true that like that it was a setup in a way um but they didn't know that they were gonna find people yeah they never really address why Whitmore reached out to Milo when he when he did especially if the grim pair like if he and the grandpa were like really good friends like the fact that they have a portrait together above his fireplace you know um yeah it is really yeah he says like he says like he told me to reach out to you when you were ready and so maybe like that big speech that Milo was going to give at the beginning where he was like I've had an amazing discovery oh yeah Uh, and I don't know I just the thing that I'm curious about that I was like, is this a plot hole or did I just not catch this? Is like, how did his grandfather get maps and like very specific intricate details of like what it's like to get to Atlantis if he had like never been there, but had he been there? And if he had been there, then like, did he not, how did he not know that there were people there? Or maybe he did, like, that's confusing to me. Mm, Yeah, I'm not... I'm not sure I because he and Milo even at one point says like my grandfather's told me all about this place and like like when he's like crying and and he's like sorry there's something in my eye you know he's like my grandfather told me all about this place and I'm like is he there is his grandfather (laughs) there like is that would have been really cute oh that would have been sweet yeah I don't (laughs) I don't know I I assume it's just like he found old maps in his search his hunt his own discoveries or whatever but like he never had the time or the opportunity to do it himself because it sounds like the missing piece was that book that they fished out of Iceland um Mm -hmm. yeah I want to know that's a good question if anyone who's listening knows the answer please let us know because now I'm curious too but I think a lot of that just is plot armor so (laughs) Mm -hmm. very true Something you said, though, about Kita being introduced and then not really coming back until later in the movie. That's, I think, one of the reasons why she reminds me of of Meg um, from Hercules is she's not really the main character, but her story is very much interwoven in the main plot. Um, and she's super influential and pivotal in, in the overarching story, which I think is really cool. And I think it's cool because it opens with I don't know how to explain this well, which is I, I always say this is bad because we're we're talking and it's a podcast, but I really like that it opens with kind of her story and it kind of ends with her story, if that makes sense. It kind of feels like this was her journey all along. And in reality, Milo's kind of the side character. Um, even though a lot of the focus is on him, but I think when we kind of zoom out and and like see the plot and see how it's all really focused on like Atlantis and the Atlanteans, I think um, this was really her story all along, and especially at the point when she bonds with the power source and becomes the power source. Um, yeah, yeah. So I really like that. I think I I I. I really like the character, as you know, because I really pushed for her to be included in this season. But before I get into all the things I love about her off off the bat, based on your initial experience and watch, what what's your impression of Kita? And are there any things that you were like drawn to about her in this watch through? Yeah, I think like I'm kind of drawn to her like open heart and open mindedness, uh, mm-hmm. especially to like outsiders. You know, she was very much like um oh, these are just people and they can help us, I think is like, was her big thing is um, they can help us. Uh, and um, and I also really liked seeing that she is like a big fighter because it's like, not only is she kind and open-minded, but when it when push came to shove, she was like, I will fight for myself and my people too. Um, 
so those are the first those are the two like first impressions that I have of of her for sure yeah yeah I I really like that she's not just pigeonholed as like either a princess damsel in distress kind of a thing but she's also a fighter and a warrior and like a a genuine leader of her people um kind of like when when I was watching it this time with you, I kept thinking of Esmeralda and how she, like Esmeralda really fought for her people, really put her put the quality of li- put the quality of life of her people ahead of even her own. But it was something that she was fighting for, um, and like genuinely just wanted the best for everyone. You know what? Like what really stood out to me was when she's talking to Milo, and he's like, "It's amazing. Like we weren't expecting to find like a." living thriving society and she's like we're not thriving yeah we're living and even the conversation with with her her dad the king um and I think it's it's refreshing seeing a such a strong-willed character who can also be soft and value quality of life not just for themselves but for other other people so I like her for pretty much all the same reasons I I love that she's so smart I love what when they first meet, they like take they start from Atlantean and then go down into, you know, English. But they like hit because I think at one point they go from Atlantean to Latin to French to English. Um, And I think it's it's pretty cool that she's multilingual. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I really like how she's like literally a warrior princess. I think my only. I don't want to say critique, but like my only note or my only like, mm, I don't love this part is when she does become bonded with the crystal. And then she's just, it's kind of like a statue for most of it. Like when they're trying to rescue her and she's just like in that metal container and it's very clear she could break out at any point, but for some reason she, she doesn't. And I don't know if that has anything to do with like right before she gets floated up into the crystal, she like tells Milo, you know, everything's going to be okay. I don't know. Question marks. I have question marks about that. Yeah. I didn't really think about that too much. I just assumed that like the crystal had full control over her after that. And Mm. it wasn't until like she was placed on the part of the stone that that was like that looked like the eye, you know, Mm. Um, that like all that like she was able to like fully blossom and then be released. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. I also like this is going to go back to like animation style and some a critique that I have of the movie in general. I do think that it was a pretty diverse cast in terms of like, you know, um, uh, the types of characters who they had and, you know, the, um, the mechanic girl whose name I don't remember. She's, she's like um, Latina. And then there's Aubrey. Uh, Aubrey. Yeah. She's Latina. And then, you know, um, the Dr. Sweet is like a a big muscular black man. So I kind of like that. But I do think that I was going to say he's black and indigenous because he's ah. he was talking it, there. It's when they're around the campfire and Milo's like asking them about their stories or whatever, or why they do what they do, how they came into the professions that they did. And he pulls out a photo of his dad, who I think was fighting in a war and he met the mom who was and I don't remember which tribe she was part of but anyway mentions it at some point and so he like pulls out a necklace and shows that like he's he learned a lot of it from a a witch doctor he says or a shaman and then um and then he got enlisted into the military and that's where a lot of his professional doctor skills came (laughs) yeah and I absolutely like I love I love that but I do think that all of the women in this film are depicted in a very specific light. Like even Aubrey, who is a little more of a tomboy, um, uh, is still kind of like in this, like, even though her clothes are baggy, it's still like a very like thin waist, curvaceous, like feminine, quote unquote, feminine Mm. body. Right. Um, And then you've obviously got now is her name Hilda or Helga Sinclair? Hilda? I think it's Hilda. Okay, because near the end, I was like, did he say Helga? Did I have this wrong the whole time? But anyway, the Sinclair woman um, (laughs) who like first when she first appears to Milo, I thought that was hilarious because she's just like the sexy woman in his room. And he's like, what are you doing here? Um, I was like, this is amazing. Um, And I think it's like it is Helga. I'm sorry. Okay, 
Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Because I I first heard Hilda when she introduced herself. Hilda St. Clair, but apparently it's Helga. Anyway. Um. So anyway, she first appeared, and I think it's like fine to have like a seductress sort of character or whatever. <laughs> but I do feel like with the way that Kida is also animated, or I think there's just like a lot to contribute like to contribute to what we talk about on here sometimes about like the depiction of animation style of like quote-unquote Disney princesses um and they're that that like unrealistic beauty standard that they kind of can hold sometimes um because she is wearing very revealing clothing and has a very small waist and all of that kind of stuff and I'm not going to say like again it's like I'm not body shaming an animated character by any means <laughs> I do just think that the animation it, it contributes to that sort of societal standard that we've talked about before about the Disney princesses and how their bodies are shaped kind of like yeah may affect us on a subconscious level yeah definitely it's interesting too because I remember while you're we watching this I, I looked I looked something up and I found like maybe it was like a Disney fandom wiki page or something and um they mentioned that the animator of Kida really wanted her to look different than the princesses we had seen up until that point and like make her stand out in a different way um also to make her look strong and not like a damsel in distress because I guess this animator recognized too that most of the female characters in Disney movies were just like oh save me although as we've talked about that's not entirely true but yeah um I hear what you're saying I do think the the Helga I keep wanting to say Hilda now I, I think yeah. that the Helga character is really interesting in the same way that like Kita is multifaceted it's interesting that like our first introduction to her is she's like wearing this really interesting dress and like even the music it reminds me a lot of um oh my gosh Jessica Rabbit I think yes yeah <laughs> I thought so too yeah and then the next time we see her she's like in you know um I don't know military. what you would call that yeah, yeah military garb and she's got like a gun holstered and she's like playing around with the gun in her hands and she's this like kick-ass bad bitch and I'm like yes go off queen I yeah. guess um <laughs> yeah yeah I do like that. I do. I, again, I'm not I'm not trying to like I say, like, I'm not trying to like body shame any animated character. Um, I I do just think that like all of the women were animated. I, I, I think that more diverse bodies within the women would have been nice because we had a lot of diverse bodies within the men. Um, so, yeah. 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 And I I hadn't noticed it until this watch through, though, that the character of mole is kind of interesting that he's <laughs> the rounder of the of the crew and he's depicted as being really dirty for lack of a better word and he has like yeah. flies around him all the time and i don't now that we have done this podcast and you've kind of opened my eyes to how different bodies are portrayed and perceived in media um i was like oh i could see how that contributes to the whole like larger rounder bodies are gross even though that's not like an outright message and they do love and genuinely care about him but like they don't hug him <laughs> yeah flies flying it's like around a, him all the time a running joke yeah it's like a running joke throughout the whole thing that he's like kind of gross and kind of a nincompoop and like they love yeah. him but he's an idiot yeah <laughs> and yeah. he's just like, like really weird yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's funny how like his obsession with dirt is like portrayed as kind of weird but then milo's obsession with language dead languages specifically and quote-unquote gibberish is like kind of cute and endearing and and whatever but that's mm -hmm. just i don't yeah. know what were some themes that maybe stood out to you that's a good question i didn't actually write any down while i was watching but upon reflection, I would say that teamwork is a big theme here mm -hmm. and like camaraderie, I would say. Um, yeah. And there's something also to be said about like morality when it comes to because I was thinking a lot about um, like when this happens in real life, like like this reminds me of it reminds me of a story of colonization right where they like mm. discover something that they thought was like un uncharted or like 
you know, there weren't going to be people there. Um, and then there were people there and they were like, we're going to take your life force away <laughs> so that we can better our own society. Um, yeah. And so I do kind of like that it ended up being that the people who came there to do the, for lack of a better word, colonizing decided not to, um, or most of them <laughs> decided yeah, yeah. <laughs> not to, and decided to stick around and say like, no, we want to actually help this place thrive. Um, and so I thought that that was sort of like an interesting theme um, and maybe a little bit ahead of its time for the, when this came out perhaps yeah. I don't know <laughs> yeah I do like that um a lot of the crew goes into it just for the money and then by the end they're like screw the money we're gonna put uh, you know morals and our moral obligation ahead of financial profit um and I think a lot of that has to do with Milo because he and Kita are very similar in that they're both very kind and compassionate people um, and I think, unfortunately, we do see how kind of compassionate people can get taken advantage of, but that doesn't mean that they're like necessarily weak or anything, because then, I mean, in a very different way, we see them fight back and stand up for what's right. But I think um, that could be a really good example for a lot of people on who feel like they've been taken advantage of how they can like reclaim their power and take the story back into their own hands without becoming jaded. I think that's... um a really cool thing that we get to see with them with them too yeah and I like what you said about um, like friendship and camaraderie I do think community is a big theme of of the movie um Milo finding his quote-unquote people and then um Kita really looking out for the betterment of her community and civilization and and people yeah he like at the end he finds where he belongs which I think is kind of cool like because at the beginning you just see him sort of He's very lonely. He's bumbling around. You know, nobody takes him seriously. Yeah. And he gets to a place where he is like not only appreciated, but where he is needed. Like they need him to help. They 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 need him to although this kind of gets into that weird like white savior complex a little bit too, is like the outsider came and he helped us. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a, a gray line. I feel like it's not as outright as because I I feel like how do I say this? I, I feel like the civilization would not have failed without him. Right. Like even though they yeah. weren't thriving as Keto would have liked them to, they were still surviving um, and and they were content. Right. I think that's what the king says. And she was like, well, they don't know any better. Um and then Milo comes in and I think, yeah, unfortunately, he brings he brings the thing he needs to save them from. Um, but he himself didn't do it. You know what I mean? Like he couldn't have done what he did without other people's help, and he could not have helped the Atlanteans without Kita's help. So I think it's yeah. like I, I can see where people can make an argument for white saviorism and I'm not going to say they're wrong. I'm just going <laughs> to say from my perspective, I don't think it's as blatant as some other pieces of media that we have yeah. out there, but I do think yeah. you can make a good argument for it. And yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not, that's not where I was like trying to go, but I was really thinking like he, he has the tools that they like, he can read the language. He teaches them how to like use their, uh, their, their like ancient vehicles or whatever. Yeah. And I just think that that's kind of interesting that it's like this white guy from DC who like teaches these <laughs> ancient people how to use their own materials and read their own language. Um, uh, But, but all of that to say, what I was going to say is that like he, thrive like that's a community where he can thrive in yeah um where he's appreciated and needed and is taken seriously um whereas in yeah. his own life before which I think is obviously why he chooses to stay in Atlantis and not go back to the surface with everyone else yeah yeah I think like we've talked about in a different episode and I can't remember exactly which one I think um part of any kind of community or friendship or relationship is about finding where you fit. Um, yeah. 
I'm because I made a note too about like how Kita really values the quality of life in herself and others and wanting the best for people, but she doesn't like assert her opinion of what is best on them, if that makes sense. Like yeah. she's not she's not like standing in the square like shouting like this could be so much better you need to listen to me she's like trying to change it in her own quiet way yeah there was something you said oh oh okay I don't know it's not really relevant but super side tangent as we do I'm wondering if along the way they lost their connection to the language because the king did not want history to repeat itself Mm-hmm. And he didn't want anyone else to make the same mistakes that he did. So he kind of maybe inadvertently cut that, cut access to their knowledge that way. And that's why he's not as adamant about things going back to quote unquote the way they were, because he was like, the way things were led us, led me to make this bad decision that led us to you know almost dying so we're not gonna take that risk again that makes sense makes a lot of sense and then I was thinking like well how can they speak the language if they can't read it but I think about like kids can speak and not read so like you know yeah you can you can you can speak and not read so (laughs) Yeah. yeah 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 I think for me some themes like I talked about like living versus thriving versus surviving um definitely a lot to say on like survival mode versus thriving but I feel like we've talked about that a lot in other episodes so I won't go too much on a tangent there but I I think if we want to relate it to like a healing journey you know kind of like what the king says that the people are content I think there's a time and place for just surviving and getting through like going with going through the motions getting through your day-to-day and then I think sometimes when your body is ready the kita in you will come out that's like well we can be thriving and let's find the ways in which we can we can do that and thriving looks different for everyone but I think there comes a point when you know you're you're ready to like break out of survival mode and release those old habits, patterns, and behavior that have, again, that have kept you safe. And that's not to say survival mode is bad in any sort of way. The whole point is it's helping you survive um, and keep you safe. Um, But then recognizing when those things no longer are, are no longer helpful in the way that we think they are. I think that's also like a catalyst for a lot of people's healing journeys is realizing when they've been in fight or flight for so long or fawn or freeze or feign or, you know, whatever survival mode type you are, you default to or are in and then recognizing when it's turned into people pleasing, it's turned into perfectionism, it's turned into overachieving, you know, and and having the emotional intelligence and self-awareness to pivot toward something else, recognizing in the recognizing the ways these things have helped and seeing what can be let go so that you can feel like you're thriving and not just surviving. Um, But another thing that I really, really like and something I I love about Kita is um, how she can find, and I guess this is Milo too, but how they can both find beauty in things, both in knowledge, in nature, in new things and new experiences, and just like a general appreciation for existence in life I think you know like when they're all sitting around the feast like everyone's kind of freaked out by the different food because they're not familiar with it but Milo's like trying he like wants to try and eat it and I think that that's really sweet especially from like a cultural standpoint for me because you know for those of you who don't know I'm Filipino and and Chinese and sometimes for lunch I would bring like an eth quote-unquote ethnic food and people would be like ew what are you eating or like you know that smells weird or like I I used to eat a lot of seaweed before it was like this influence influencer trend on TikTok um and people would be like <laughs> ew you're eating seaweed isn't that like a plant from the sea and I'm like yeah and it's actually freaking amazing <laughs> or it's like good. Um, it's good or like shrimp chips or like you know anyway just like the weird smelly things that James Corden uses on his his gross food segment or whatever I know it's bad um (laughs) anyway all of that to say I think that's like the one of the biggest things I love about this movie is just 
the mutual appreciation for everything for the unknown yeah just like I, I don't know I think it's just really it's just really beautiful and I think when we can you know this this podcast is called mental health multiverse and I think when we can start pivoting and like or what's the word I'm looking for like like if you're not watching on YouTube I'm doing this like hand motion where you're kind of like saturating or like like slowly <laughs> thing like like okay the visual I'm getting is when you spill water and you put the paper towel on the water and the water starts to spread. Imagine <laughs> the water is appreciation and you are the paper towel. <laughs> Absorbing? Is that the word you're looking at? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think the quilted can... quicker picker upper. <laughs> <laughs> When you become the the quilted quicker picker upper of your life toward gratitude and appreciation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think when we can just find appreciation in in our lives, in whether they be the little things or the big things, and you know, putting those in quotes because that's all relative. Um, I think it can like really drastically improve our mental health. And I'm not saying that like appreciation and gratitude is gonna fix anything but I do think it is and it's been scientifically like proven there is a lot of research on how those things can significantly improve our life and I know at least for me in my experience I witnessed it firsthand because as a lot of you know who are listening like I grew up in a very toxic childhood environment where like my parents just complained about everything nothing was ever good enough like their life wasn't good enough I wasn't good enough um and as I got older, that's definitely the lens through which I saw life through was like, nothing is, is good. There's always something to complain about. And so I would complain about, about everything. And it wasn't until I got tired of hearing myself do it. And I got tired of being dissatisfied with life. And, and I made like a really big effort to try and appreciate living. Cause I think another thing too, was I grew up believing, you know, you can't be satisfied until X, Y, and Z. You can't start living until X, Y, and Z, whether that's getting your high school diploma. Okay, now you got to get your degree. Okay, now you got to get the big girl job in that degree. Okay, now you got to work, work, work until you get to retirement. Okay, and then after that, you should have a family and you should have like, you know, like the shoulds and- and The milestones, yeah. The milestones, exactly. And it, so all of that to say, it just, I grew up feeling like I could never be satisfied until- and then through my own healing journey, through therapy, through coaching, through reading a lot of self-help books and stuff, I especially the book um, by Brene Brown called Gifts of Imperfection, which I love and I gift it to almost everyone I know if they're open to it. Um, it really it really turned around my mindset that we can't wait to stop living. We're living right now, even if we don't feel like we've hit those milestones if we ourselves feel like we're not quote unquote ready or good enough or whatever it's all about living your life as you are now and not what you wish it should be or when it should be or blah 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 um so all of that to say a very long winded spiel about how i i just love the two main characters in this movie and especially kita just being like you said very open-minded open-hearted and I think we can learn a lot from a lot from them. Like I saw this post that was something about I posted on my Instagram stories about how like I love learning more about myself, like the different textures I like to wear in my body or the different like flavors of yogurt or whatever. And I think that can be a very beautiful mindset to go through life with of just like there's so much about ourselves we've yet to learn or there's a lot that we may unlearn which is cool so like you said kind of that appreciation of the of the unknown and just kind of taking it as it as it comes um can be really special and beneficial to our overall wellness yeah I agree yeah. was there anything related to fitness I know we talked a little bit about body image but like fitness the fitness journey at all um, not that I can really think of after a first watch, like normally I'm sort of like, oh, I can relate this to the hero's journey or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think there's a couple of, um, a couple of instances of things happening that are worth noting, like 
the like I th- I think it's Mr. Woodmore, but I kept getting Mr. Woodmore and Cookie confused because they looked exactly the same to me. So um but <laughs> at the very beginning, Mr. Woodmore, I think it's him, is doing yoga and he's like Yes. Yes. He like that's Mr. Woodmore. Okay, yeah. So he like he's like upside down and doing all these yoga poses and like you know, shakes Milo shakes his foot because he's upside down instead of his hand and like all that kind of stuff. Um, so I just thought that was pretty funny and interesting that they included him, like specifically said that he was doing yoga. Um, I thought that was pretty pretty interesting. Um, and then I also really liked that uh that Doctor Sweet was like a a chiropractor in this way that's just sort of like mm-hmm. touches you and you are suddenly healed. Um, if only. <laughs> If only it really worked that way. I have actually been to a chiropractor that like moved my body in such a way that I was like, I am healed. Um, (laughs) But that's like, I was much younger than two. So like probably wasn't anything, (laughs) anything too, too crazy happening. But um, it was actually when I worked at the movie theater and I would Mm. pick up like these like 50 pound bags of popcorn kernels. And I think I did something (laughs) to my back and my mom who is used to be a massage therapist like took me to the chiropractor in her uh in in like where she worked and he like just like twisted me it was like shoop shoop and then I was like fine but now if my body hurts and I go to a chiropractor my body still hurts afterwards so mm. <laughs> but yeah I don't I didn't really pick up on any um any health and fitness stuff um except for like those examples of like wouldn't it be nice to just like have a chiropractor touch you and have all of your body ailments go away <laughs> a chiropractor like uh, like dr sweet who mm. <laughs> is like such an amazing character i really like that, that character a lot thank you um i guess maybe my question for you in relation to health fitness you know the whole this whole thing is about like their life force so i wonder if there's like a correlation there between i don't know their life force and and fitness and health that's a good question I think yeah now that you bring that up yeah uh now that you bring that up I actually really like that so like let's think about this so the dad was hiding it and was like hiding it from the people right so Mm -hmm. um what I'm sort of thinking about is like sometimes we can be like raised with all of the best intentions when it comes to like our health and wellness um your parents do what they think is best for you. Um, but that it's all, it's not always what is going to be right for you in the long run Mm -hmm. when it comes to your health, whether that's like the type of food you eat, how you exercise, your relationship with your body, your relationship with food. Like I think in most cases, parents are trying to do their best. Um, in some cases, parents are trying to not make the same mistakes that they did, uh, that their parents did, or that, that they like I know in some very extreme cases a lot of people who grew up in a household where their parents commented on their bodies a lot and made sure that they ate a certain way is because the parents had a fear of the children having a non-societally accepted body right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like this parent is operating out of fear um that that you as the child is going to like you know not be accepted by society so they're they're quote unquote doing what they think is best for you when in actuality they're creating disordered patterns for you um and so that could be one way to look at it is sort of like of course uh the king had the best of intentions from hiding this life force and saying like y'all don't we don't want this i don't want you to repeat the same mistakes that i did when after they embraced the life life force it helped atlantis thrive right Mm -hmm. so i think in some ways you can think about it that way of like maybe your parents had the best intentions in the way that they raised you or discussed health wellness fitness all of that with you but it's not until you figure out what really works for you that that you'll be able to to thrive in that way um and so, like, if you specifically think about it in that way in, in the story, I think that's how it could go. Now, if you take out her dad hiding it in the first place, you can also see the life force as sort of, like, your own desire to take care of your mental and physical health, too. Um, 
because sometimes we're also just like not taught that or we we have other priorities right um it's kind of like what you were talking about with like getting out of survival mode right and like deciding Mm -hmm. to thrive there is something similar that can happen when you're um when you go when you decide to like take care of your mental and physical health like it can also help you thrive in ways um and so like I think if you take the dad hiding it out of the equation like maybe you're hiding your own life force yourself and like maybe there's something out there for you that you like maybe going on walks more or maybe um you know like deciding to heal your relationship with food or um eat more vegetables like whatever it is that you feel like you might need that will help you thrive um Mm. and that's not something that like anyone else can tell you besides yourself um or or you know like a professional (laughs) you know yeah yeah I think like comparing the life force to real life I think the as we saw in the movie the life force does like very general things it like gives them energy in both like a physical sense and energetic sense and maybe like their electronics I don't know um how to (laughs) I don't know if it's electronic but you know what I'm trying to say anyway um but people can also harness the power for very specific things like we see Kita healing someone or someone's using it to like light lamps or or turn on the vehicles or whatever so yeah I, I really liked everything you you said about how no one else can tell you how really to to use it how to thrive and that's something you really have to discover for yourself but it's like always that whatever you want to call it is like always available to you it's just it just needs you to accept it bond with it like like kita (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah thank you for asking that question because I probably I definitely wouldn't have thought of that unless you brought it up no, that's what we're here for. Those are the com- kind of conversations we we are having. Any favorite quotes or characters from this movie? Yes. So, like I said, I really like Sweet, and he had one of my favorite quotes, which I also love. Is technically a quote from Thaddeus, Milo's grandfather, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, because that I think my after Sweet says it, Milo's like, "Well, where did you hear that?" And he's like, "From your grandfather, actually, from yeah. Doctor Thaddeus, whatever." Um, and the quote is, I, I don't know if I wrote this verbatim because I was obviously like watching, but when you hit bottom, the only place to go is up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes bottom just keeps bottoming out. <laughs> like you think you're at bottom and then something happens and you're like, wait. <laughs> um, so I do think that like, you know, try not to be pessimistic in any way, shape or form, but like just knowing mm-hmm. that like when life gets you down like the only way to go from here is up um yeah but to be perfectly honest just because I know like from my own experiences that I'm going through right now like I felt like something happened in my life that I thought was bottom and then something else happened that Mm -hmm. was also really bad Mm -hmm. and then I was like oh no universe like this is not good so um this the maintaining the feeling of optimist optimism and that things are going to get better is very important even if bad things keep happening (laughs) yeah yeah and even though the quote makes it sound very linear I think obviously taking the quote as it is can can be helpful depending on the experience but the reality is that like it's not just a straight line to the top that there's going to be like dips and curves and plateaus and whatever but I think if we just can keep our vision upward in some kind of way that can be very very helpful I do like that quote too I like sweet yeah he's he he's he's very sweet (laughs) he is sweet (laughs) um would you say then that he's your favorite character I so I I do think like of all the side characters I think he's my favorite um I really really like Milo um I came into this having like zero expectations of who Milo would be as a person um I kind of knew I would love him though because I do love a little so like if you've seen the Barbie movie we love a little Alan right (laughs) um so like I do kind of love like a bumbling awkward sort of like you know guy um so I'm not surprised that I really like this character um yeah but I also um I do also just really like 
how he is portrayed like there is no like you were saying earlier like there is no like ego or um i am here to be better than anyone um he's got this like sense of awe and he's he's like got the sense of awe but he's also very determined um which i think i really like that balance of like i know what i want and i'm really gonna try to get it but i'm also just so in awe that it is actually happening for me um that i really really like about him so like i would say you know milo and it's his story too right like we were talking about like he's kind of the main character so it makes sense that he got a lot more of the time but I do really like the kid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that up until this point, all of the like main Disney male characters, I think, have been like big strapping men or like, you know, hero heroes in the that traditional sense of like big, strong, brave, whatever. But he's strong and brave in, in his own cute, awkward little way. <laughs> yeah. I think that him just because I I watched Frozen for when we record the Frozen and I'd like I really do I'm I'm happy that he's with Kita. She is a little old for him in my opinion, so <laughs> only by a couple but, thousand years, no big deal. <laughs> right. But I do think like the my one of my first thoughts was like oh him and Anna would be perfect together. They would be so funny together. It would just be yeah. like clumsy, bumbly, but like very cute such a such yeah. a good time like i could see them knowing each other's like clumsiness and quirks and they'd like like protect the other person from like slipping or whatever and then they themselves would like fall down the stairs or something yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's it's almost like and perhaps this is true like it's almost like hans um was like modeled after milo because it, when you first meet hans he's also kind of like bumbly and weird and a little oh, bit awkward yeah. right and so yeah. it's like <gasps> disarming in that oh. way Mm-hmm. yeah did they pull did they pull Hans's like fake personality from Milo um <laughs> but anyway that's like totally beside the point I really like Milo I obviously really like Kida um I, I I think I agree with you about the ending sort of we kind of lose her at the end and then she comes back um because I feel like I wanted more of her in some way yeah um, there's something more I want from Kida and I don't know what that thing is um I I love her as a character but in some ways i think she is a little flat um yeah and so there's just like something i want more of um from that but i but i can't put my finger on quite what that would be no i i agree and i i found a reddit thread about how the one of the reasons or one of the theories as to why this movie wasn't more of a hit that it could have been was I guess it went through like a very strenuous editing process and it was very much like I have to find that thread and I'll maybe I'll link it like I need to do more research into it too because I think they made a documentary about it but I guess there were a lot of like um there was a lot of trimming involved and so I wonder if some of the things we lost were more around Kita's development and character because I do think while she is multifaceted in the ways we talked about I do think that we kind of lose it by the end and I feel like we miss something she goes from like being this kick-ass person who's like literally kicking ass and taking down all these people with guns and then all of a sudden nothing until (laughs) the end (laughs) until the end and then she's like helping her society thrive and blah 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 blah, which is pretty cool too but yeah there's like there's like a weird jump and I I I I am with you that as much as I love this movie and I'm really glad we got to talk about her um (laughs) it it could have been just a smidge better even though it's still pretty good yeah yeah um what about your favorite quotes or characters or whatever um I think my favorite quote is the same when you hit the bottom the only way out is up or the only way is up um I I will say like I also don't think that this movie is very quotable to be perfectly honest it's not I mean there's some funny lines there are some funny lines but like you and I we try to look for those deep quotes right and yeah I think Another quote that really stood out to me that I loved was when Kida is is about to show Milo the underwater, like, mural or whatever, and she talks about how, like, um, 
the ocean beats against them like rocks in every year part of them mm. is like taken away or whatever and I I just thought mm. that was super deep but I have yet to put into words I don't know I I really like that quote um no I, I agree I actually I vividly remember when that happened in in the story too I just didn't write it down but yeah I I liked it's a it's a good analogy for what she's trying to explain you know yeah and I think it shows her 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 reason why she so badly wants things to change is because she doesn't want to see her people just slowly disintegrate into nothing basically um yeah yeah so I I like that quote I I, I don't know if I can say it's like a favorite just because it's kind of it's really sad <laughs> but, yeah. um but I think you can relate to relate it to so many things like like we were talking about with survival mode I think the longer we live in survival mode even though we are surviving it's actually taking some of us away it's you know taking more than it's it's giving and I think that's when we when we recognize that that's when we can shift into thriving and 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 living um I think my favorite character I don't know I I really like all of them I think Milo and Kida are definitely up there but I really love the crew Aubrey is just like I, I love how feisty and spunky she is I love um Vinny the explosives guy and how like when they're talking about you know what they want to do with the money or whatever he's like I just want to blow stuff up and and Sweet's like no tell them the truth and he's like fine I want to open a flower shop and <laughs> and then yeah. at the end he gets the funding for it um and he's already talking about I'll be thinking of you Monday through Friday nine to five closing on at two on Saturdays and we'll be closed on Sundays but maybe I'll go in and I don't know I, I think that's <laughs> yeah. really funny um I'm gonna take the month of August off like <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like planned his whole schedule out yeah that was I really cute that. um mole in his own little way is kind of cute and and funny um and I wish someone would hug him because he deserves a hug the poor baby yeah I think I think what's interesting about all of these characters that we bring up is that like the the movie did a pretty good job of like um expanding stereotypes right like you would think that the guy who wants to only blow things up is just like this chaotic whatever and, and the like putting people in boxes, right? And like we said about um, Helga at the beginning, sort of being this like seductress who tempts, who like seduces Milo into joining this thing, which yeah. he would have joined without yeah, her he, seducing he him in the first did place. did not like, need her to do that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, but then she's actually this like badass, like army brat or whatever. And so like, um, I'm sitting here thinking about how like all of these characters are so multifaceted and so multidimensional. But I think when it comes to mole, he does he's not really he just likes dirt and likes to dig holes and is dirty um and then like like we've said with Kita too like there was something that got a little bit lost there too like her her purpose just seems to be to save her people and then she does that and it's like okay but also there's more to you than just saving your people <laughs> yeah I don't know if I have a favorite character but I think I have like a favorite cast I really love this cast this crew like mm -hmm. like we've talked about very diverse um and I, I will sign whatever petition to make this a live action movie. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be fun. And I think there's opportunity for more diversity as well. Um, and I think there's opportunity to expand the script so that it's a little less like white savory, like we talked about, and yeah. a little more uh, like just to do just to make it um, because like it's it's great as it is, but it's not perfect. And I obviously nothing will ever be perfect and yeah in Hollywood's standards like I don't know what is I don't know what Hollywood is capable of but I do think there would be ways to expand the script to make it even better and even more diverse and and expand the story in a way that feels better too um so I'd be really excited to see like um more people of color being involved um more indigenous people maybe uh like something something along those lines um to like really take care of telling a story about a lost city that may yeah. potentially be colonized yeah. yeah 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 I I agree um well I uh, thank you for uh indulging me and in watching this movie finally and talking about Kita um I'm really glad we did this and I'm glad she's part of our our season about empowering Disney heroines because um like we've just 
kept keep saying in this episode I think there's a lot to admire in both her and and Milo yeah I really liked it yay cool Alrighty, friends well we will talk to you next time yeah talk to you next time I always say see you next time but we don't actually see anyone ever so we don't unless you want to join our patreon and then we can <laughs> see more of each other or I guess you would see more of us but we would also see right anyway all of that to say <laughs> have a good one and we'll talk to you next time Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mental Health Multiverse podcast and for spending time with us, HB and LB. Special shout out to our musical composer, Little HB. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, feel free to share it with others, post about it on social media, leave a rating and review, or become an exclusive Patreon member to see bonus and additional content. To stay up to date on all things MHM, you can follow us on Instagram at Heather Bodie and at littlebit underscore not broken, or subscribe to our YouTube channel to see our faces and watch some fun bloopers. You can find all of these links in the show notes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>